Welcome to Simply Stogies. I am one of your hosts, James, joining me uh, via the internet. Uh, used to be satellite back in the day, but now it's via internet, uh, is my friend, uh, my co-host. He is back from his recent jaunt to Costa Rica. Uh, it is uh, Nick Sirius, uh, my friend and uh, owner of LH Cigars. Uh, Nick, welcome to the program. Welcome back. I appreciate you, uh, Thank you James. coming on. Thank I like you. The You're doing these. Yes. Well, you were going to bring it up. I was. Um, you know, to be perfectly honest, mustard is not my color. But uh, due to our esteemed guest and, uh, you know, friend of the show, hopefully for future, uh, Rob Baella will be on the show. I know you probably will uh, give him a little bit of an um, introduction. But this is his logo for his company. It's basically an ape with a fez. Uh, I was planning to ask him about it because I honestly don't know the history. I know it's been the logo uh, for years and they've been around for years. And I thought in honor of Rob and friends of Habano. So I'm wearing the hat that he gifted me in Cuba at some point down the way. Yeah. So. No, it looks good. It looks good on you, Nick. I miss mustard might be your color. It might be your color. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank might you. Be your color. Uh, uh, in honor of, of Rob being on, I am smoking a uh, Monte Cristo, uh, uh, Linea 1935 uh, Dumas. Mm. Uh, and uh, as Nick alluded to, we have the one, the only, the uh, Rob Ayala. This, like, if you're not familiar with who Rob is, like, you're not a cigar smoker, or at least you're not into Cubans, because uh, he runs uh, Friends of Abanos, which is, uh, they have over 25,000 clients globally. A uh, huge uh, retailer for Habanos SA, Cuban cigars. Uh, I have smoked more FOH nudies uh, than you could probably shake a stick at. They're great cigars. Rob Ayala, uh, welcome to the program. Well, thanks very much, James and Nick. It's it's great to be here, I must say. And um, Nick, I was going to say we your, your logo question in terms of the, the monkey with the fez. Mm. Um, well, we have the monkey with the fez. It's not our first logo. Our first logo was Winston Churchill uh, with his famous two fingers up uh, smoking a cigar. But, of course, we had one of those famous cease and desist notices uh, that really? used to come. What, the estate of Winston Churchill? Where did that uh, come from? Oh, that came <laughs> from the Davidoff group, if I remember correctly. I don't know. Uh, I have, I have, okay. My, yeah, yeah. No, uh, Nick, okay. I, have, I have my... I have my lawyers on speed dial, um, mm. so uh, <laughs> so we had to change it to the fairs, the monkey in the fairs, and it was. And while my site was called Friends of Habanos, I should be very clear that these days it's Friends of El Habano because I received another cease and desist notice <laughs> uh, from Habanos from Havanos' oh. legal team in Poland about two years oh. ago, given the fact that we are Havanos specialists, <laughs> registered Havanos specialists, and I think I've sold, I don't know if I haven't sold 12 million Cuban cigars over the years, I haven't sold one, but they thought it was too close to intellectual property breach. So two years ago, we changed it to Friends of El Havanos. FOH is still <clears throat> the same. Um, but as I said, lawyer on speed dial, welcome to the industry. I think you guys know exactly yeah. how this works. Pete Johnson, this, Pete this Johnson would know. Other guys know. Uh, this is the way we work. We have talked we, we have talked about cease and desist uh, on this show ad nauseum. Uh, I am not a fan of it. I think it's terrible for the industry. I think it, uh, a phone call 
and a conversation would would work just as fine but whatever uh it's the year of our lord 2023 and everyone is litigious uh but that should like and this is i have kind of just me personally i have i purchased a lot of cuban cigars as you can see some of them there uh you know several years ago when i first got into the hobby and i haven't really like i've just been smoking through them cuz they have to sit and age i think everybody kind of uh is familiar with that but I, we want to dive into your background rob like how did you start um smoking cigars how old were you do you remember like th- your first one like yeah, tell us the story um, i was a, i was a, a young banker to be fair my dad and i used to have cigars together um but he was R&J Churchill's mostly, but I started banking when I left, uh, went to uni, university, um, I started corporate banking and that's where I started. I, I learned two things, um, cigars and golf in corporate banking. And, uh, I, I hated golf because I think golf's one of those great things that, um, it shows you the character of a person. Um, so when you're taking clients on a golf course and they're cheating from, you know, hole seven to 18. You, you sort of work that out. Yeah. So I, I gave up golf, I uh, but I kept smoking cigars, and I, I love cigars. But, you know, back in those days, Monty 4s, Epi-2s, that sort of stuff. I just thoroughly enjoyed the whole process. And I was, a, I was very happy in banking. I loved corporate banking. It, it was great, great fun. Um, really, I only had seven clients in the corporate world, and I made my budgets each year. Until the day we screwed one of my one of my clients in 1994, and we screwed him on a property deal. We reneged from a property settlement that he had to do on a Friday. We reneged on it on a Tuesday. I gave the files to my competitor, so he'd get the deal done. He didn't get the deal done on time. My client lost a quarter of a million dollars in his deposit at the end of that week. The credit committee wouldn't move on it. Uh, it was completely our fault. I did everything I could possibly do, and I resigned from banking that day after I gave those files away. It was the last day I did banking. Hmm. And I had, as I said, I had seven clients. One of my clients was a good friend of mine, a mentor of mine uh, in Singapore, Manu Bojwani. And um, Manu said, what are you going to do? And I said, I have no idea. So I went and worked in Singapore for a couple of years, working with Manu um, as his trade negotiator. He was doing electronics around the world. He was doing, uh, he had the, he had the licenses for Panasonic, TIAC, Akai in Africa and Asia, et cetera. So I worked there. We were doing uh, cotton from West Africa to Indonesia. They were making um, all the Gantt clothing for the US, Sheridan sheets for the US, et cetera mm. there. So cool. I was moving around. I was moving around for the best part of 18 months, two years from Kinshasa to Jakarta to Manila, uh, one week this, just working with his teams, learning the different trades. Basically, I was just in, in, in meetings. Uh, he, had, he had all these technical spec guys who were fantastic. My job is to take people to lunch and dinner and try to get the deal over the line at the end of the day. And I thoroughly enjoyed that. 18 months i had a young son ben uh who was three at the time i uh, was getting to the point where i needed to spend more time at home we were at a cigar lounge manu and i at a cigar lounge in melbourne 
we just finished meetings for polystaple fiber in 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 melbourne um a, a big factory there and i said look Mano, i've got to resign i i can't continue this on i need to spend more time at home with my young son and he said what are you going to do we were smoking siglo threes at the time this is about 1994 we're smoking siglo threes at a great bar in melbourne that used to be called fidel's at the casino and he said what are you going to do and i said i have no idea but i know australia is a monopoly in terms of cigars i love cigars so let's uh i might try to get into the cigar game and he said as as most and without any disrespect most indians when they say um well those of indian lineage who say yes i'm in the cigar game it means that we have a family member somewhere in the world who's <laughs> in the cigar game yeah that's the yeah. way it works yeah and i said well put me in touch and he did and so i remember i my first cigar order that I parallel imported into Australia was worth five thousand dollars, and and that's how I started. I wow. started with a five thousand dollar order into Australia in nineteen ninety five, and and we began. And I knew I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've I've started many businesses over the years, and if anyone is an entrepreneur out there knows that most of them will. Oh uh, yeah, thirty percent will take off. Um, another thirty percent will be nah, it's not worth the effort, and the rest will be just complete dog failures. Uh, but you know, I'm a big believer in failing early and getting out uh, without it costing too much money. But the cigar side went well. We, you know, in a monopoly environment that Australia was, when you when you've had a hundred year monopoly in a country for cigars. There are a lot of disenchanted people, a lot of disenchanted retailers. And so we just picked up the threads. We just continued to to build our business. PCC uh, took over from the from Swedish Match as the distributors for Australia. And they came up and saw me and said, um, had a lovely meeting, a lovely guy, Abel Gonzalez Ortega, who now has passed away. But he was the PCC henchman and he was straight out of Scarface. He had the big gold <laughs> chains, the big gold chains. He every every second word was an absolute profanity, uh, in a nice way. So he came up and saw my operation and and said, um, "Let's go to dinner." We went to dinner, and at the end of that dinner, I thought we got on really well. I really thought that dinner went superbly well. And then he said, "I'm going to crush you." And I said, <laughs> I said Abel, fantastic. I said, let's do it this way, Abel. Why don't you go away and try to crush me for six months? And then if you don't crush me in six months, let's let's get together again and see where we go from there. So they put three or four guys on the road in my territories and they undercut me and they did everything they possibly could. But cigars are very much, it's a people business. And Absolutely. we really, really worked in that people aspect. So our loyalty gradient was exceptionally high amongst our client base, both from retail, wholesale, exceptionally high. And he gave me a call after six months and said, well, we've gone nowhere. Um, so come down to Sydney and we'll have a meeting. Went to a lovely lunch on the rocks in Sydney. 
next to the opera house. It's gorgeous. And he says, we're going to make you the opera. And I said, well, look, as long as you can match my current prices, I'm happy to be exclusive with PCC, Pacific Cigar Corporation. For those who know, know who PCC is, they're the license holders for Habanos in the Asia Pacific region. And so we did the deal and I've been loyal to PCC. I haven't bought a Cuban cigar off anyone else since, since 2002. Wow. I've been loyal to PCC since 2003. So before you moved and that's in, how I started. So, so before you moved into that space, PCC had the monopoly. Is that, is that right? There was well, no the official, uh, they're the official, they're the official distributor. They took, they took over Swedish match. They took over Swedish match and, and, well, basically, they were supplying Swedish Match. So, yeah, Pacific Cigar Company, who under the under the auspices and leadership of the great David Tang at the time. Uh, David Tang had he's, he's one of the most remarkable people. I mean, what a remarkable history. Guys can Google him up. Uh, yeah. What David no, Tang no did. He started PCC. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Passed away now a number of years. But, mm. yeah, so they they really created the cigar market in the Asia-Pacific in terms of, of, of in, in a structural manner. And so I, I came under their auspices in, in, in 2002, and we've got a great relationship, and, and it's been profitable for the both of us over that time and really important for me because without jumping too far ahead that with all the difficulties in the Habanos market over the last two and a half, three, three years, yeah. Yeah. it's, it's that they have been superb support supporters of, of FOH and myself. Whereas most grey marketers, not that we're a grey market, we're not, but uh, most grey marketers have had their cigar supplies completely cut during that period of time. That you've got La Casa de Habanos, which have got almost no stock whatsoever. Um, you know, you can walk in to Doha today or Beirut today and there's nothing on the shelves. And yet FOH has been continued to be supplied to the best of their ability throughout that period of time. I'm a big believer in loyalty. I'm a big believer in in, um, in doing the right thing. And I think it's certainly paid off in dividends for ourselves uh, during this period of time. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, it sounds like you attacked this when you first started this almost, what, 29 years ago now. Uh, yeah. That you attacked it from, from uh, something that's near and dear to my heart, which is customer service. And if you could... If everyone's disenfranchised from how they've been treated from, you know, PCC or whoever was supplying them to cigars before you come in and you come in at that customer service level and you, you're, you, you, you're loyal. So you're loyal to your customers and you hope that they're loyal to you in turn. And it seems to have worked out for you. Um, <clears throat> you didn't learn customer Rob. service in the banking uh, uh, area, did you? Uh, no, no banking. No, in banking, yes, to a point. Because again, I only had seven clients, so you know, I was given an Amex card, and and really, when you're in the corporate banking world, it really is about understanding, or used to be, used to be about understanding your client, understanding their. You want to know who they are. You want to know are they good people. You want to understand who their wife is, their kids, the name of their dog. You, you want to to go through the intricate detail in, in order that you can get an element of trust between both. And they need to know my, my details as well. They need to know who I am. 
and I've always conducted business in that manner. I just want to know, you know, who, who I'm dealing with. Even in FOH today, I mean, you know, we, we'll talk about Bon Roberts later and, and the different businesses that I've been in, I'm sure. But, you know, I'll transact with people that I like, but I'll only partner with people that I love. And, and, and that's the way I personally enjoy doing business. I don't do business to make money. Yes, I do. That's, that's, that's a lie. <laughs> that's I do business lie. to make money. We all, that's right. Well, at the end of the day, we have to I, make money. I, yeah. You have to put food yeah, on the table. We all have to make money, Nick. We have to make money. But, wow, I, you know, I'm the richest person in the world for the friends that I've made and the relationships that I have. And I don't think you can put a price on that, really. It, and, it, and it comes from, I want, to, I want to be the guy in the meeting who asks 20 questions and only five of those questions are about business. The rest of them are about you. And I, I, I get a great thrill about doing that. And, and now when I screwed that client, uh, when I screwed, I didn't screw up, my credit committee screwed that client in banking 20, 30 years ago now. I got married. I got married in May to to the gorgeous Diana, and uh, she's she's beautiful. She's my wife. But that client that uh, I screwed was at my wedding. Wow. Manu Bojwani, who got me into cigars, was at my wedding. Wow. Uh, that is the world that I want to live in. I I don't want the bullshit that goes with everything else. Well, I think that's a testament to how you do business is that he came to your wedding even after he got screwed by your by your credit committee. He was like, no, I'm still coming. Uh, Graham, his name is Graham. The bastard still reminds me every time we catch up. But, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, yeah, we, we do it. But he's a great friend of mine. You know, in the world, you know, it, at the end of the day, James, shit happens in business. And it, it's how you handle it that counts. Well, Let's talk about that. You already kind of brought it up. Let's move forward just a little bit because we we've talked about this, this increase in, in Cuban cigar prices over the last three years uh, on this show, especially last year when we did our, our Cuban sub series. Uh, how, how hard is it to, to sell those cigars even at that price? It can't be too hard because they're out of stock everywhere. I think you've nailed them in the head, James. It's not hard to sell them while stocks remain slow. So is it? I, I think that I think that the the biggest threat to our industry and, and the Cuban cigar industry will be should they increase stock supplies, I, I, and and how deep is that market for three thousand dollar boxes of Cuba Siglo Six? How deep is that market? for $600 boxes of Particus Serie D number four. I, I think that is where we're going to see the the real shakeout in this industry, assuming uh, Tabacuba, not so much Habanos, assuming Tabacuba actually gets their act together and, and starts putting product in volume back in the, into the market. Do you, uh, do you think that will happen anytime soon, I guess is my first question. And then on the other side of that, if that does happen, they're going to have, they're going to be forced to lower the price. I mean, I have to believe they have priced a lot of people out of uh, the Cuban market. Yeah. I mean, um, in, in terms of FOH, 
Friends of El Habano. I mean, I'll be honest, it is disheartening. It, it's disgusting it, the way I see it in that a good 30, 35% of my clients, my friends, uh, people who've been with us for so many, many years can no longer afford a Cuban cigar. It's it, it's it's not something that I'm comfortable with. I my favorite clients are not the clients who 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 who, who buy the six thousand dollar box of the Siglos or three thousand dollar box of Siglo six and God bless you for buying them. I'm not saying not my favorite clients, but I love the the taxi driver who used to come in and buy the two Cahiba Robusto singles at the end of the week on a Friday afternoon. I like the guy who couldn't afford the Robustos who used to buy the two or three Monty fours at the end of the week. The teacher, the the, the guys who are the tradition, who, who just wanted to have, they didn't smoke three cigars a day. I, should, I, I assume most of us smoke two or three cigars a day. Yeah. At minimum yeah, yeah. But there are people in this world, there's a huge, there's a huge volume of, of Cuban cigar smokers cigar lovers who this is a treat that they treat themselves to this cigar on a Friday, Saturday or Sunday afternoon who would go and light that cigar. And that would be the cross on the T, the dot on the I of their week. And to have lost those people to say that you are no longer worthy is something that doesn't sit well with me. You know, we, we've always talked on this show, Nick has said, you know, it, that the cigar is a great equalizer and you get to meet so many wonderful people from all walks of life, from Kings to street sweepers and everyone in between, uh, when you're smoking, you know, these, these rolled up dead leaves and Habano SA has definitely priced out some of these individuals, especially on the lower end. And while, uh, the world economy kind of still up in the air as far as what that's going to do that hasn't helped things do you, do you think there will be a time where they will up production and lower price i i think the the lowering of price is is something they probably can't afford to do and and, and nick you probably know better than i do uh, you probably go to cuba more than i do at these days but i don't see the trigger I don't see the trigger that allows that to occur. They've had a brain drain. They've got no cash. They've had um, an awful season last year, awful growing season last year. Uh, if, much, if so much, much less of a yield. Must, anyway, 5,000 hectares. Seriously, they had 5,000 hectare a year last year. Uh, I can't convert that to, to US volumes, but I'll just use the, the real volumes the rest of the world uses. Um, so 5,000 hectares, right? Uh, then I I just don't see, you know, their infrastructure is, is falling down. They have no fuel. They, the farmers, it's just, just try, today, this, because we're, we're in the growing season now. And I speak to my farmer mates in uh, Pinal de Rio, San Luis, just getting enough workers in. Mm to do the work is difficult. 
So I don't see where these triggers are going to be that allows them to to get back to anywhere where anywhere near where they wanted where, where they were, and I'm not sure if that's where they want to be anyway. I, I think they've. So what have they done? If you look at their basic math, they've cut. They're producing what a third of what they were in 2018, 2019, and they've doubled and trebled the price. So they're they're, they're making the same money. Mm. I, I'm not quite sure what's going to change in the short term, medium term even, to make this work for them. Can they? Will they get to the long term? I mean, I, I don't I don't want to sound negative. Um, but it sounds like unless there's some sort of trigger, and I don't you don't know what that is. I certainly don't know what that is, uh, to kind of uh right the market a little bit, kind of bring it back to some semblance of normalcy. Um, can they make it to that long term view, or is this like is this the death throes of Habano's essay and Cuban cigars as we know it? I don't think it's a death knell. I, I think it's a repositioning of, of their market, um, doing the best they can financially with what they have. I, I think there's, you know, overall, I think they'd be quite happy the way, it, I won't say quite happy, in terms of market sales, in terms of revenue. I mean, Nick, you've been to more of those meetings. Uh, well, I've been to those meetings as well. You know, that, that at the Havanos marketing meetings at the Havanos yeah. festival, and they'll come out and they'll say we're up four percent in sales this year in gross revenue. <laughs> they don't actually yeah. mention stick sales, yeah. They won't mention right. stick sales, right? But they right. say we're up another four and a half five percent, and everyone claps on the back, and you all go to the grand Havanos dinner where you fight to get a drink, and you pay fifteen hundred USD to get a, a, a seat at the table for some terrine that the straight off. Yeah, yeah, but there's actually there. And everyone claps themselves in the back. They live in a whole different universe, people. They live in a whole different universe. And and they'll keep spreading that that story. And in the end, I'm not quite sure what they what else they could do. Because James, what are they gonna tell what are they gonna tell the public? What are they gonna tell their retailers? What are they gonna tell their distributors? We're screwed. It's really, really looking bad. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a business message that you want to send. Um, so, so I think in retrospect, what they did was probably the only thing they could have done given the, the cards that they had to play with. Now that's no good for my clients. It's no good for my taxi drivers and my teachers who buy those cigars. It's not good for retailers around the world in high street who've spent literally millions of dollars to fit out their locales. It's no good for Cuban cigar culture. It has left uh, a gaping hole for non-Cuban manufacturers to get into the US. And it's a conga line at the moment of, of, of non-Cuban oh, yeah. manufacturers getting into the US. It really is. Uh, yeah, it is. It's a conga line, and 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 they're learning, and, and and those guys themselves are learning how difficult the European and Asian markets are to 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 break in, because you know everyone promises the world, but delivery. You got to educate. You got to educate people what this cigar is, and what that cigar is, and what this cigar is, and that. And, and but you got to educate people within a market 
that effectively tobacco advertising is banned. So it is a very slow process. And those guys, uh, and I've got great respect for Arturo Fuente, for Padron, um, for, for others out there in that in that space who have been in the European market for over 10 years, 10, 15 years, and they've actually developed those markets. They spent the time to really work the floor in those markets and, and, and they're doing great guns. Of course, their biggest issue is supply. Yeah. into those markets it, it's not about getting recognition but for new brands getting into those markets it's it is difficult do you think that will change the difficulty uh, as this situation with with cuban cigars goes on will we see will you see more non-cubans coming out of the dominican and nicaragua and costa rica and honduras will you see more of those cigars uh, in your market, you will, but they're going to be really good, good cigars. They're going to be good cigars. There's got to be consistency. There's got to be, and, and remember this: that this is not the U.S. So you you import a cigar into the U.S. and you're paying what forty one cent duty plus your nine. So you're paying roughly fifty cents a cigar in terms of duty and taxes into Florida. But you could produce a, you could you could you could sell a Churchill into say London or Hong Kong or whatever it is there as a non-Cuban supplier, and you've got to pay. And the, but the tax is based upon tobacco weight; it's not based upon wholesale cost. And all of a sudden, that what you thought you could sell for say seventeen, eighteen pound in London becomes a forty-two pound cigar for something that no one knows what it is. And it, it's it's a whole different game. It's a whole different structure. So no, it's not going to be easy for NC manufacturers to get into that European market in scale, in in, in true scale. That the easiest market to get into is the US market in in terms of uh, price point. But you know, it's very hard to position price position the cigar in the European and the Asian markets because they are very much weight-based cigars. So, you know, you throw a Toro in, uh, which is the number one selling cigar in the US, you throw a Toro cigar into the into the European and the Asian markets, what, guys, already there's $23, $24 tax straight into that. Um, it, it's, you know, it, there is a strategy. There is a, you, you need to be, you need to be across the pricing segments in that US and Asian markets for non-Cuban manufacturers. And I see a lot of them, they go in, they sign the deals for the distribution deals. And then they wonder why, well, hang on a second, it's not working for me. Uh, why are we only moving 12 boxes in this country? Or why are we only moving 20 boxes <laughs> in this country? That's not what we're used to. That's not what we're expecting. But a you lot know, of your non-Cuban manufacturers realize very quickly, Rob, you know, they're like, wait a minute, this whole country, I, I have a store in New Jersey that does more boxes than the whole country exactly of right. London, you know, you know, so they're, they're realizing, oh yeah, we did, we struck a distribution deal and we're, we have this country, but at the end of the day, you, you know, it's a slow process because you, like you mentioned, it's very difficult to tell somebody to try a cigar that's going to cost them, you know, 70, $80. 
you know, a $10 stick, you know, okay, we'll try a $10 stick. $50, mm, now we're starting to talk. That's real money, you know? Uh, so it is a difficult game. Well, what's Where, the, what, the diff? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say the difference that I see in the in the different markets. In the U.S., everything is marketing based. When I say marketing, obviously they can't really advertise as much in the U.S. either. But there's a lot of marketing dollars that are spent to get the message across. The message gets across in other parts of the world more people to people. It's more referral. It's like, hey, I've tried it. You've tried it. And it's word of mouth that gets that word across. And, and sure. it's a lot easier if you have, a, and the only way that's going to happen, if you have a good stick, if, if, if you have, you know, there, you could sell a lot of cigars in the U S that are subpar in my opinion, that are selling because of the, the spiel behind it. Uh, that's not going to happen outside of the U S it's got to really stand on its own legs. No. So if you, if you want to get a cigar into say JJ Fox in London and St. James, uh, as a non-Cuban cigar, then first of all, the staff, the JJ Fox staff, who are fantastic, by the way. It doesn't matter whether it's at JJ Fox, or AJ Patel, or, or any of the other guys. Um, the staff need to be sold on it. The staff need to be sold on it. They need to like the cigar. They need to understand the history of the cigar. They need to, to so when a client comes up and says, so what do you recommend? They have to be over the, over, over the top of all those issues. Um, and they have to be honest because that's how they make their living. And it's so I, I look at, and God bless the guys at Half Wheel or Cigar Journal, and, and when you see, like, I, I get the news feeds every day, and this another brand has got us, you know, it's got this distribution now approved in, um, in, in another country that ends in Stan or Ear. And, 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 and it, it's, and you think, you know, I know it's going nowhere, um, but it, it's, it's good news and it gets out there, but, we're in a transition phase for the next five years. All of us, NCs, um, Cuban cigars, uh, even our own stuff that we do, it's a transition phase. But you need to understand your markets, and you need to put the you need to put the hard the hard yards in to move the product. No different to anything else. When you like Nick, you've got your own line of cigars, etc. But I mean, how many events did you do? How many of this stuff did you do? You, you have to be out there. You've got to do it. You can't just give it to a third party and expect it to work in a market that you really don't understand. You've got to do the hard yards, and and we're all time poor, and it costs money to hop on a business class flight. I assume we all fly business people. Um, so we <laughs> on a business class flight, especially today with uh, airline prices yeah, also yeah. gone through airline the roof. Prices, you know, hotel costs, etc. There and spending four days there, another four days, and like four days in London is, you know, it, it, it's not cheap. Uh, you go there, you do this, you do, you know, and it's got to be, it's got to be a regimented strategy. Um, and the number of great distributors in the world, like guys who will actually go do this work for you. I'm the great distributors in the world. And I've been lucky because I've, I've been in the business for, for 28 years. And I know most of the really good distributors who are good for independent brands. Um, it'd be three or four in the world yeah. who can actually, who can actually move numbers, who could move numbers. The, the rest are just, the rest are just guys who turned up at, um, I, I keep referring to this RTDA, but it's not. Uh, or, or they go to Dortmund and they say, yeah, we can do this for you. We can do this for you. We can do this for you. And you know, 
it's just starting to dawn on people that it doesn't work that way. No, and it's interesting you talk about you have to know your market and, you know, as the guy behind uh, FOH, your market's the global market. Like you have, like you, like you, you told us at the beginning, uh, you know, before we went on the air that, that you do, you have 25,000 clients worldwide. Now, look, I'm going to say this. I have to say this. Like if you're in the United States, like you understand what the laws are. Okay. Just follow your laws, follow your local laws, wherever you're at, follow your local laws. Jesus Christ. I can't believe I have to say that, but I have to say that. Uh, and uh, whether or not do we, I have, do we done, really have to say that? Look, whether or not I have done that, Nick, <laughs> is neither here nor there. As I smoke this, uh, it's nobody's, it's uh, nobody's business. Nobody's business. I could give a shit. I, I think the embargo has run its course and needs to go away. Uh, and it does more harm than good for the Cuban people at this point. But I understand the politics behind it, however inane they are. But you're back to the point, Rob. You're, is is that you have a global market and you <clears throat> you ship worldwide. You you have this global shipping, so you have to understand. Not just your local market uh, there in Australia, but you have to understand the the Asian market, the Pacific market, the the Chinese market, the the European market, the United well, the U.S. market. My my guess is that he, I would say no, he doesn't. He has to know his individual customers. But those because individual customers thing, are from different markets, though, right? Yes, but you know when he's been in business for as long as he has. And we mentioned the loyalty that people give FOH. I mean, people have been buying. I know a handful of people that have been buying for a decade plus from FOH in this country alone, uh, meaning the U.S. Won't mention their names. But, and but if anybody comes to ask you, you're going to be like, oh, I, I, I totally I, I forgot. Don't know. Oh, no but idea. But the point of it is they will continue to buy from them. And there's reasons that they buy from FOH. There's no shortage of people out there selling. There's always the fear, the fear of buying, you know, counterfeits and, and uh, you know, the, well, let's not even get into all that. The point is they know they can trust FOH and beyond then there are others that are, are legit as well, but the difference in the way that he stands out is it really is a community. And that's how he, he sells to the FOH community that all become clients. It's all one big happy family, kumbaya, and and that's I think how he does his business, and he continues to, you know, to do his business. Correct me if I'm wrong, Rob. Maybe I'm speaking out of turn. No, no, no it's good. I, I love I love the kumbaya. It's good. Uh, yeah, come <laughs> on. It, it's not. It, it's look. We made a decision. I made a decision. Um, I think it was 2002, 2003 that. I didn't want to to be a local retailer. I wanted to be a corner store that's global. I wanted to be a a global store. I wanted to be a community. FOH is a community where people pop in, no different to go popping into a B&M or a cigar bar and, and having a chat or having a read because 90% of people who are members never post once on, on, on the forum. And that's fine. People don't. It takes all types. It takes all types. And there are other guys you can't shut up. And that's good. That's exactly the way a cigar bar works, yeah? It's yeah. the way a cigar bar works. And I wanted to be that global cigar bar that you can just pop in and and have a bit of fun and just you – know, life's tough. It can be tough. You have good days and bad days. And But if you pop in FOH, I wanted it to be – you feel like you're home. And just 
read or comment or don't comment, but at least leave with a smile on your face and maybe hopefully pick up something along the way in terms of, uh, um, I'm not talking about a cigar, I'm talking about um, just a, a point of conversation or a different thought process or whatever is there. I think that is, that's what I wanted to create. I'm very happy and proud of the fact that we actually have created that. It's not for everybody. It never, it never is because, you know, some people are tough online <laughs> and and we've all seen forums we've all seen forums that have just disappeared over oh, yeah. the last 20 years yeah absolutely because unless you have good moderation unless you have a culture and i think the culture is the key aspect of it and the culture is not enforced by the mods or the moderators the culture is enforced by the people the by the members themselves so you know we have we have a moderators forum on, on FOH where we discuss things. The last post was September 10. We don't have to moderate FOH. FOH and the members moderate FOH themselves. And I think once you get that culture, it works exceptionally well. You know, it, it's funny that you bring that up because when I first uh, got into cigars and I was trying to learn everything that I could, uh, the first place that I was directed was FOH. Go to FOH read everything you can. Like there's a lot of information there. There's a lot of great posts there from a lot of knowledgeable individuals. You'll learn about Cuban cigars. You'll learn about cigars in general. And it was one of the more uh, welcoming forums that I, I, I think I've ever been in. And it's like you said, you can pop in, you can not say anything. You can just read, which is essentially what I did. Cause I'm, I'm a lurker. Uh, I'll just, I'll just read uh, and try to, to, to get as much knowledge. Um, but your guys is, your customer service, your culture, everything is on point. How long did it take to build that culture where you guys don't have to moderate your mods can sit back and do whatever. And, and the folks like who are members, they take care you, of that. You, you, draw, yeah, you, you draw your line, you draw your line in the sand and you don't walk away uh, from those lines. So, you know, we don't discuss us politics. We don't discuss guns. We we uh, we don't demean other individuals, and we don't demean other retailers unless they're selling fakes, and then and that I'm aware of, and then we will certainly point that out. We, you, if everyone knows the rules, it's like a game of football, isn't it? Everyone knows the rules. You're gonna have you're gonna have some yellow flags thrown out occasionally. Yeah. Look at you and throwing you out NFL knowledge. Say, Look I'll, at you. I say, James. I'll go to a PM and I'll say, James, listen, mate, you're a really good member and I really like you, but you crossed the line on that post for the following reasons. Now, I don't know how much you had to drink tonight, James, but can I just suggest, can I just suggest that you pull your head in and give it some thought before you do it again? And nine times out of 10, they'll say, yeah, Rob, yeah, I just that that Jack Daniels really took that extra one on the extra two Negronis and I was just on a well, I said, that's fine. You've earned the right to 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 get a uh, a pass on this one. But come on, you know better than that. And that's not what's all it takes. You don't have to be the big stick individual and, and hit them over the head. Mind you, you, you always have that one percenter who are on there for 90 days and who just are so opinionated and just have to be so dictatorial that in the end, I'm, I'm okay with sacking members or, or getting rid of members on FOH. I'm a, 
we actually trim our client base for FOH on a yearly basis. Um, we'll just trim them. I mean, we don't need to to take on dickheads. And, and, and just we have a our number one rule in FOH is no tosses, no wankers. Yeah, and I, I, I apply that to all my businesses. I mean, if I don't, I only interact with people that I like. I only transact with people that I like. I don't have to transact with you. So go find someone else. So I normally send them to my good mate, Ravi, at COH Cigars. Um, <laughs> and, and, and Rav's, yeah. So, so Rav's and I, Rav's through my engagement party. I mean, that's how close we are. And I love Rav's, uh, Ravi Mababani. I love him at COH. And, uh, but I, 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 I generally send him my difficult clients. And I say, look, I can't, I can't help you. I can't help you. Uh, we're, we're, we're just not on the same plane in terms of the way we do business. So here's someone else who transacts in a different so in a different manner. And I know he sells legitimate cigars, so go there and please never bother me again. And that's why we do it. <laughs> please never bother me again. I wish I could do that with some folks. I really do. <laughs> I, yeah, that would be uh, that would be great. I want to talk a little bit about uh, Bond Roberts, uh, but Bond before Roberts. before we get into that, how did Bond Roberts come about? Like all good things, yeah. So Bond Roberts, a it's a sexy name, but Bond Roberts <laughs> is actually the, is. The, bond, it's the it's the bond between Robert Fox and myself, Robert Ayala. So the bond the bond the two, uh, well, two Roberts. And I love Foxy. I love Rob's Fox and Stuart Fox. Nick, you know them exceptionally well. Yes. And good guys. I love them both. Some two, of my favorite the people. Uh, yeah. And, and myself too. Again, Stewie's at my wedding. Um, it, it was great fun. I, I love, I've been to Jersey. Uh, I've obviously caught up with Robbie at his house in, in, in Dublin and, and we spent a lot of time together. But how did we meet? So Rob Fox and I met, like like all great things, you you meet at a pub, and <laughs> we we're at the we're at the Gato Tuerto together. Nick, you know the Gato Tuerto exception. Well, James, you probably know the Gato yeah. Tuerto, the old Gato Tuerto, yeah, the old Gato Tuerto, which is which is brilliant. And this uh, it was Andy Ryan and Rob Fox were there at the Gato <laughs> Tuerto. And I was, what year was, I was that? What year was that, Rob? Oh, we're going, we're going back 13, 14 years ago now, yeah? And and I was buying a drink at the bar, and Andy Ryan came up to me and said, would you be Rob Ayala? And I said, yeah, I am. He goes, I've got Rob Fox here, and we'd love to have a drink. And that's how we started. And that's I'm, great I'm, and, Yeah, and to, to be fair, you put Australians – and Irish together, it's like gasoline in a match. Uh, it just went off. And they, I, I had a, we were staying at the Atlantico Apartments. I had a, a, a rooftop, uh, had the penthouse there, and we had a, a, our own pool, uh, in-ground pool on the top floor of Atlantico. And I had a, had a party going on the next night, which I invited them to. And... Um, yeah, you know Toby Brocklehurst, Nick. Sure, sure. And so we we, we brought in all these lobsters from um, uh, from up uh, from from Pinar, and we we didn't know where to put them, so we put them in the pool, <laughs> and we had a hundred odd people, and Toby's operating the barbecue with his with his with his band, and set, 
And every time someone wanted a lobster, we'd get the pool, the pool scooper out, the pool cleaner, and we'd get another <laughs> lobster out and, and cut it up and throw it on the pool. It, it was it was debauchery. It was Sodom and Gomorrah. It was great fun. And Rob Fox said to me, how long has this been going on? And I said, well, I've been for a decade by that mm. stage. And I said, we just, we just hit it off so well. And well Andy Ryan we, we, is like the, the uh, cruise director for the world. I've never met an individual like Andy Ryan. He is, he's a collector of people. When I tell you he can go into a room and become friends with each and every person in that room. And not only for that moment, he collects people. I've never seen, he's such a social director in all sorts of the word. I mean, he is, he, and he, and he's uh he fires those jokes. Like, like unbelievable. I see the man and I smile as soon as I see him because he is not only incredibly funny, as good as any stand-up comedian you could possibly imagine. He's got this crazy, you know, personality, and he just collects everybody together, and the group keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And some of my favorite memories and times in Cuba, for sure, my favorite times have been with the Foxes and Andy and all the people. Really, Cuba yeah. for me is meeting everybody from everywhere else in the world, not just yeah. the Cuban people, you know? It's a it's a great meeting place. Andy Ryan is one of the most beautiful, funny, intelligent people I've ever met in my life. Uh, he, he is fantastic. He also, but it, it's a toss up between him and Stuart Fox, as as the people who could actually survive less on sleep. Uh, oh, I no sleep, but you, the regimen no that sleep. they do. Oh my God, yeah. you! I, I don't know how they do it. I mean. If they're there for, you know, let's say just for the Habanos week, those seven days, these guys, five out of the seven nights, for sure, see the sun come up. But yet Absolutely. they're up the next day, or rather they don't go to sleep, or within two hours, they're up, you know, doing all the activities. But they do a regimen of B12, and they're they they, they they're like athletes, you know, they they gear themselves for that week in, uh, in Cuba. I, I, they're, they're, I their preparation for that week, yeah. Uh, yeah. they're great. They'll, they'll be to bed at, they'll go to bed at 7am and they'll, they'll make the 9.30 meeting or yeah. 10 o'clock meeting. No. And which I can't, I cannot do. No. Um, they're, they're fantastic. Anyway, so, so Foxy and I got on well, uh, exceptionally well. We caught up in, in Hong Kong. We caught up in, in, back in, in, in the UK, in, in Dublin. And we always want to do a business together. We, yeah, you know, I think I said before, I, I transact with people I like, but I only do, I need partner with people I love, and it take it takes me. I think that, that goes back to my mentor, Manu Bajwani, who, you know, I've only had five, five joint venture partnerships in my life, and all five are still going to this day, and I, and I love that. But it takes time for me to to get to know you, to your family, to get to know your 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 internal um, culture. I, I need to be really comfortable. And I was really comfortable with Rob Fox. And then we did a, a series of cigar dinners in Shanghai, uh, which were so much fun. And we we're just having another drink in Shanghai uh, one day at a bar. And we're saying, what can we do together? That how can we work together one day? And we, we came up with the, with the concept of, of Bond Roberts. Um, and 
given that we both had the resources to do it. So, you know, when you start an auction house, you need to see it because, you know, day one, no one turns up on your auction house. Someone needs to see product. And at that stage, we had, I had 5,000 Cuban cigar boxes in our lockers and Rob has his own keeps in Dublin and, uh, and, and, uh, London. London. So we had, we had stock enough to seed it initially, uh, which is always a difficult part of an auction site is actually seeding an auction site. Andy Ryan was, um, so important in, in building the site, uh, working with our, our, our auction software partners to get that up and running. But we had, so we, we spent two years putting this together before we actually launched it in April, 2020. And of course that's when COVID hit. And so we launched it right at the peak of COVID hospitals in New York were full. The car parks were, were full of, of mortuaries. It was just a disastrous time, but we, we had to go. So we launched it. How, how are people going to get to the post office to actually post their box? If you're in, if you're, if you're in lockdown. Uh, so we launched it in 2020. April 2020, and we had no idea really if it was going to be a success or not. Nick James, we had no idea. We we knew that we had enough stock to to seed it for a period of time, but we had no real idea. Um, and I must say, we had our board meeting last night. I think we just sold yesterday. I think we sold on on um, Thursday night at twenty thousand lot on on bond rocks. Congratulations. So, yeah, so it, it sort of took off, and and there was a requirement. I mean, there, I did. We didn't realize how deep the market was in terms of stock holdings of individuals, um, spare stock holdings. But it is it's a it's a it's a it's a very deep tranche, very deep market, and and people see value in it. And, and I must say today, on BR Bon Roberts. It would probably have the the widest, the largest array of Cuban cigars in the world today on that site. Better be lucky than good, I would say. <laughs> yeah, it's always um, better to be lucky it, than good. Always. Havanos put the prices up. Everything went through. Su uh, supply shrank. We couldn't have picked any of that. It was that was just um, well. I, I, I guess I guess that's my question. I remember when Habano started raising their prices, you know, uh, and, and my initial thought was, you know, when I looked at when I looked at the lots on Bond Roberts, you're paying for somebody essentially to curate that cigar, let it age for you, because a lot of these are their age stock. We know that, you know, you have to typically let Cubans sit for a couple of years to let them off gas and, and get rid of some of the ammonia in most cases. So they smoke, typically smoke much better after a couple of years in, in my limited experience. Uh, so there was a premium for that and people are willing to pay that premium. But as prices go, started to go up with Habano SA, my question was, well, did Bond Roberts, did Habano SA look at what Bond Roberts was doing and go, Cuban cigars are an investment. It's not just you're buying them to smoke them, but now you can buy them, you can age them, and you can sell them for more than what you bought them for. It, it 
did, did, do you think Havano SSA looked at what you guys were doing and went, well, we could probably get a little bit more. And then it snowballed because of everything with COVID and everything else that was going on around the world. Or are they mutually exclusive? I don't think it was a, it was a primary mover for Havanos at all. I think Havanos looked at their pipeline as to what was coming through and said, guys, we're screwed unless we change the model. Yeah. I think um, we, we absolutely screwed. And so they changed the model. We're, we're the primary beneficiaries of that. Uh, and Bond Roberts are the primary beneficiaries of that. We used to, you know, um, age rare and vintage cigars is what Bond Roberts initially was about. Yeah. Age rare and vintage cigars. But within 18 months, everything became rare. There was nothing out there. You know, it was nothing out there. Now, we couldn't predict that. So we did our, well, I think when we, when Andy Ryan and I and Rob Fox did our spreadsheets, when we were doing our, um, our pre-mortem for the business in terms of, you know, what's our average box sale going to be? I think we worked it out in $363 a box, uh, US dollars a box as the average box sale. Um, and within two years, that, it more than done in terms of that, that average box sale. Um, and then we, it was the only input that I really had in that business that actually made sense. Cause generally I'm the dumbest person in the room when it comes to the Bond Roberts team. Just I mean, wait, if you Andy ever meet Ryan, me in person, then I will be the dumbest yeah, person yeah. in the room. Yeah. Got Andy Ryan, Rob Fox, and, and Andy Ryan's now moved on from Bond Roberts. Uh, he's doing his own projects and, and God bless him for it. And we've got Alexander Groom, who's now taking over Andy Ryan's role. And Alec, Alex Groom is um, CTO, Chief Technology Officer, and, and had just delivered that magnificent book, um, El Havano. Uh, just one of the great books of all time in terms of Havanos itself. And, and, and you, you wouldn't find a more a, a more intelligent guy in the world of Havana cigars than, than Alexander Groom and Andy Ryan. I think they're both on par. So we're very lucky to bring Alex and Alexander Groom in. But uh, we we had we had no this you know, like most businesses, gentlemen. I think both of you have been in business. Most businesses, most entrepreneurs. I love the fact that people do five and ten year plans in a business. Honestly, I can never do more than a two-year plan in a business because it just changes so quickly. And nothing changed quicker than the Bond Roberts environment and, and the Cuban cigar environment. It just happened almost overnight, uh, within two years. Today, we, did, we do not see, you won't find an FOH box on there today. You won't find a, a, a Rob Fox box or JJ Fox box on today. In fact, I don't think we've seeded. Occasionally, we'll, put, we'll throw a box up um but in reality we have 50 60 new boxes per day get listed in terms of von roberts and it's all done by the consumer and by sellers and by, by sellers specifically and we know it works because they see a value in it to put the boxes up and for my only contribution my, my biggest contribution is, is that we started doing partial boxes not just full boxes so because there's lots more players out there with partial boxes than full boxes. Everyone gets a box and they smoke one or two cigars Absolutely. and put it away. Yeah. And all of a sudden, all these, 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 um, 
connoisseurs out there, cigar lovers out there, you know, it, it's, and you see it all the time. Their wife gets ill or something happens or their daughter needs a car or, or something like this. And that box of, uh, I've got a good mate, uh, uh, Kenny Gargan, uh, who does my cigar reviews with me. I mean, I remember him, him buying um, three boxes of Sublimes, Cohiba Sublimes and for 500 US dollars each out of Cuba. And he was selling them for, um, for, for 15,000 US dollars a box on there. It changes lives. Yeah. It actually helps to fund other things that, that, that really matter. Um, so we just provided the platform that allowed that to occur. There's a whole heap of oversight though. I mean, I mean uh, we do have a board meeting every Tuesday night. We have, uh, I think a lot of people don't realize that 30% of all boxes that are put up for sale on Bond Roberts are rejected. No kidding. So, Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. So, what are some of the reasons you reject them for? Serial numbers are out. Um, not me. This is a, we got a team in there who actually oversee it. Serial numbers are out. Uh, UB seals uh, doesn't work. This doesn't work. Color sorting doesn't seem to be right in terms of the box. Yeah, there's a whole heap of reasons why you reject a box on Bond Roberts. And that can be a very difficult conversation to have with sellers in terms. And we found we found sellers we've found sellers who've got a fake box, who put it up, genuinely believing it's a real box, only to be told that it doesn't meet the requirements because of this. And and that normally, you know, you go through the the five stages. Yeah, the first one's stunned anger, and you go, you know. Your serial number is two years out, three years out in terms of your serial number, or your band's not right in terms of this. And we're very lucky because we have the ability to go back to distributors and and ask, okay, that limited edition box that you brought out, how many bands did you make? We made 4,000 bands or 5,000 bands in terms of this. So this little release, um, did you do two runs? No, here's the bands. No, that's not ours. That's that's not one of wow. ours. Uh, they... The depth of fakes or fake cigars in this world, I didn't know existed before I was involved in Bond Roberts. I had no idea. The, the professionalism that goes into some of this stuff is frightening. But we are very lucky between Andy Ryan previously, Alex Groom now, Ben Ayala, Alex Redemal, these guys are experts in terms of, of determining. And sometimes we might get it wrong. I have no doubt that we've sold, I know we've sold fake boxes on Bond Roberts. I know there's five that are known in that period of time, five that are known. And we've gone and made good on those five boxes. Wait, wait, wait. So, so same- if it gets past you guys, you 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 make it right on your end. And, no, no, and we, because... In terms of fake boxes, often it's in a, a rear vision mirror, yeah? So you don't know that they're fake boxes until the data turns up in 12 months' time or 18 months' time that for some reason it, it didn't pass muster. It, so we then we go back to the seller and we explain them. And in 90% of cases, the seller's absolutely appalled that 
they have put up a box that that isn't right. Yeah. And we just reverse transactions uh, in there. At the same time, you do often have buyers who have no idea and and just raise issues that the band on a Ramon Ayona specially select isn't quite centered. And you think, Jesus Christ, really? And we go back and we show them examples of other boxes, et cetera, there. Look, Cuba being Cuba is one excuse, but the reality is there are there is a depth in this fake market which which needs to be taken into account. Is there is there any kind of is there anything that Habanos SA could do to uh, mitigate some of the these uh these these fake Cubans that are out there? I have zero faith in it's not really Habanos SA, to be fair. It's um it's Tabacuba, Habanos SA together, I assume. But they've just removed the the blue dots on on Cohiba bands as of May 2023. So a, a lot of those security measures they've actually removed as of May 2023. So I have no idea what they're doing. No, and and, and of course, Havana's would have to be the poorest communicators in the world when when it comes to this sort of stuff. They don't talk to the distributors. They don't talk to the retailers. They, they, they make these moves, and then you find out four months, five months, six months post. Um, so you don't have a relationship with them where you can call them and talk to them about these kinds. Of, I would imagine I, you're you're a, a very large retailer. You you can, you can't have that conversation with them. There's a chain of command, and yes, we do. We have contacts. We have contacts. I mean, I've been I've been. Um, Dealing with Havana SSA for what twenty odd years, twenty five years, twenty six years. Uh, most of the guys I've been dealing with are now in Miami. It, it's 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 yeah. it's the brain drain, James. It, yeah. it just changes consistently. You could the people you meet this week, you have a relationship this week or last year, or the year before, will now be uh, are now working in the cigar industry or not the cigar industry in central america south america or they're just running a cleaning company in miami or, or doing an uber driving i mean this is how I, I think people realize how broken the system is the brain drain is one the brain drain is one of the biggest issues that habanos and Tab- tabacuba had this was going to be one of my last questions to you, but we're, we're talking about it. So I, w- I want to ask now, if you were in charge, how would you, how, how would you change things uh, inside Habanos SA? Like, what would you do to turn things around, make sure that there's, there's enough product that you're able to, you're not pricing more people out of, out of the, the lifestyle, out of the hobby. Um, you know, what ideas do you have that you think would work? There's a lot of good people in Tapacuba. There's a lot of good people in Habanos SA. Um, but this is not a normal environment, James. You, you're a Habanos SA is a joint venture. And so as the non-Cuban part of that joint venture, you are relying 100% on the Cuban side of the joint venture to produce. And A, that's not a business that I would be in because unless you can actually trust 100% your joint venture partner, and you could have a say in production, in this, etc. That I wouldn't want to be part of that business. So when 
Havanos SA is strictly marketing, right? And they do a great job at marketing. Like no one does releases better than Havanos SA. They don't have the stock to supply those releases, but they do the releases so well. It doesn't matter whether it's Beirut or Hong Kong or London, they do their releases so well. And, and, and they do their job well, they're marketing. Production is the issue. It's, it's, it's everything from pre-industry, so making sure farmers get paid the right dollars and guaranteed the right dollars for production from fertilizer to, to gasoline or petrol, whatever you want to call it, all the way through to make sure your barns are, are up to standard, to make sure your fermentation process is fine, to make sure you pay the key industry people what they need to be paid so they maintain, that you can control the intellectual property all the way through the chain to the way you produce your boxes, your bands, or they import most of their the, the rough market bands, the, your tube stock, etc. There, But today, that doesn't occur from the production perspective because right now, you cannot find a Romeo and Julieta number one, two or three tube pretty much in the world. Monty Fours, we ran out of Monty Fours in the world six months ago. And, and how the hell you run out of Monty Fours in the world is just a production issue, yeah. So you've got a you've got a joint venture partner. So you and I, James, we're going to put in a bid for fifty percent of Havana SA, but we are relying one hundred percent on the other side, Tabacuba, to actually produce the stock. And of course, Tabacuba doesn't actually have its own bank account in effect, so they put in what they require in terms of bands, boxes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, there. But it goes from a central fund and the government that's broke, absolutely destitute, has to make, and they're now importing less than 60, it's just over 60% of their food. It's a 65, 66% of their foodstuffs into Cuba today. So you have got, they've got to find a way of buying boxes, bands, aluminium tubes, and they've screwed most of their suppliers anyway over the course of the years. And and also they've got to keep their people happy with rice, with this, with chicken, et cetera, there. Do you really want to go into that business? No, I don't. No, absolutely not. No. And, and, and so if you say, what would you do to change it? And it's not going to happen anytime soon. You need to have greater control of the vertical integration of the business. So if I'm going to, I'm not just, I just don't want a 500 million euros or a billion euros in for the 50% of the marketing. I want to be able to control and have input into the structural production of the business itself. So I can make sure that when we do a release in Beirut of XYZ cigar, that there is a cigar. That if I'm a regional, uh, a distributor, and I put in my 200,000 stick order for regionals for 2025, but they don't come out in 2028. I, you know, there are cigars that were released three years ago. And again, they're very good at releasing cigars, yeah? That announced three years ago that we haven't seen. Like, we just haven't seen. Or they get released for a period of four weeks and then no one talks them again. Uh, and they're never seen again. So, it's a complete cluster in, in terms of, of, of production. Um, and when you first start in the Havanos world, in terms of as a retailer, you used to get so frustrated and, and banging your head on and you'd travel to Cuba and you'd speak to the 
vice president and you know, commercial. I mean, where's Mikey now? You know, you took all those yeah. guys there. You, you speak to them all and it's all changing. It's going to change and it's all going to get better. And the reality is nothing gets better. In fact, it's got worse. So you stop worrying about it and you do your own stuff and you do the best you can. And like we, we now make our own cigars uh, for our members and uh, uh, nudie cigars, etc. Why? Because well, I'm smoking a, what's that? That's a Canyonazo now, uh, which is our, our Siglo 6 line. We call it, it, it's really a Siglo 6 knockoff. And is it a Siglo 6? No, it's not a Siglo 6 but it's a consistently 91, 92 point cigar every day that my members can buy for 11.95 US dollars and be satisfied. And and so that's what we do. I we, was gonna say, we, you, you, you have a couple of, uh, of different things that you're doing um, that aren't uh, Cuban cigars. Uh, I believe you, you, you talked about um, what you're doing with your NC lines and who you're working with. You wanna speak about speak to that just a little bit yeah so uh, my partner in my nc lines is um and nick you know hamlet well yeah so yes i do so yeah so you know hamlet i've known hamlet since he's 23 years of age and and i i love hamlet hamlet was at the wedding he stayed with us for 10 days back in may i caught up with him in miami not long ago in, in sorry fort myers not long ago again i do business with people i love i partner with people i love and I, I love Hammy to death. And he's in Honduras at the moment. We, we've got his, uh, a Zoom, had a Zoom meeting yesterday. He's in the factory there. And he's an absolute Nazi when it comes to rolling and bunching and blending, et cetera, there. And he's doing a great job. But we're a little bit different in that I don't have a bricks and mortar store. Our, our whole day starts with FOH our forum, 25,000 members. So I only have one group of people to satisfy and that's them. So we have our own star chamber tasting panel on FOH. So everything we produce goes through the star chamber first and then comes out the other side and we go into production there. We call them the nudies, the snudo line because there's no bands, no box, no bullshit. And, and we, we produce them out there and, and it works exceptionally well for us. I think we'll do 400,000 cigars this year and, and next year we'll, we'll hopefully double that. But, and I want to make cigar sizes that, that I love. So we're bringing out a Nympha's line, which is 33 by seven. We do a Carlotta. Who the hell does a Carlotta or a Nympha in this world? No one. Uh, we, we do different things that we love because Habanos has given up on it. Tabacuba's given up on it. So we'll just do it ourselves. And we'll put them at a price point that my taxi drivers and my teachers can afford everywhere and get a good and, and have an enjoyable experience with it. We'll get better. Um, we, we, we want to just produce stuff that we love. We smoke cigars. We're lovers of cigars. It's not a difficult thing to do. It is difficult, Nick, because you make your own cigars. So you know how difficult the <laughs> blending process is. You understand the whole, the whole, the whole stuff that goes there. I'm blessed. Yeah. I'm blessed in that Hamlet brings with him that 20 odd years, 24 years of, of, of Cuban background into it. More importantly, I think it's more important. He spent uh, a fantastic seven years with Rocky Patel in, in, in terms of what he was doing there. So he understands both sides of the equation, uh, what, what can be done and what cannot be done. And we work to our strengths 
in terms of what our what tobacco we have to use, um, how to get the best out of it. And Nick, again, you know that I, I love the whole concept of blending, you know, because especially when it comes to private blends, you, it, it comes in the it comes in the two two different realms. One is a realm where people go A plus B plus C equals D, and that doesn't work in the tobacco world. It, it just doesn't work. You need to taste the individual leaves. You need to understand how it works. And what you think will work doesn't work. And, and what you think won't work will work. And then you need to put them away for 30, 60, 90, 120 days because it changes during that period of time. You need to, you know, what we thought was brilliant last month, this month doesn't quite work or it, it has changed, it's evolved. We need to spend that time to to understand your tobacco, understand your fermenting process, a fermentation process, you need to, you need to, you need to get get balls deep in your business. And if you're not balls deep, then get out. That that should be everyone's takeaway. If you're not balls deep in your business, <clears throat> you're you're just doing it wrong. Um, especially in this business. Especially in this business. Oh, yeah, one hundred percent. Rob, let me ask you this. Because you've got some new stuff coming out next year. You've got some some plans coming out, I guess, this year, as the case may be, because it's January 15th when this releases. Uh, you've got some stuff coming out uh, with Bond Roberts. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so we, um, we're doing a line of Bond Roberts cigars. Who isn't doing a line of their own cigars, people? I mean, everyone's doing their own cigars. <laughs> but uh, I'm not. But we, we come from a little bit differently. Um we're, we're actually blessed here in, in terms of what we're doing. So Bond Robert Cigars is, um, so Robbie Fox is my, on my advisory board for Bond Robert Cigars, Hamlet's involved, and and Ravi, my good mate from COH, is doing our distribution for Asia and Europe in terms of that. We're different, a little bit different, because we've actually got the distribution already in place. We don't actually have to go get distribution. We've got the distribution in place. Yeah, that's the hardest part. That's the hardest part. Gen so generally. we thought, yeah, and, and look, and I've got to thank Habano Sissé for this. I really thank Habano Sissé for this because if, if it wasn't for the fact that they went through this this awful period the last two years, we probably wouldn't even have thought about it in terms of doing it ourselves. So, you know, opportunity comes in the hardest of times. We've got Hamlet. We've got, um, we've got Oscar who, and, and we've got some great tobacco. We've, We've got the ability, we've, we started our own factory five, Fabrica five unit, which is a specialty unit within the factory, which only does our stuff. We we have the ability to produce some really good good things in terms of a, a premium cigar. And when I say premium cigar, no, it won't be a $30 cigar or a $35 cigar or a $40 cigar. Um, I want to stay true to our roots in terms of, of what I want. I want... I want that taxi driver, that teacher, to be able to afford these cigars that are coming out. But I also want to do something special, really special in terms of this. And I want to be able to, you know what? What will make this a success for me is what makes a success in, in most things that I do is in 18 months' time to have a long lunch, or well, not just 18 months, we do it progressively, but 
And with Rob Box, with Hamlet Paredes, with myself, with Alex Groom, with all the people that have been involved in this process, and laugh and smoke and drink. And that is why we should be in this business, to me. It's the people, it's the relationships, it's love, it's it's the fun. It's it's not about anything else. And it's where I started this conversation today is I'm, I'm the richest guy I know is because simply you can't put a value on this. You can't. No, you can't. Uh, and you embody that. We, you know, we all come together around this, 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 this rolled up essentially pile of dead leaves that we smoke and we come around it and we, we find friends. And I know that Nick and I have talked uh, before on this program about uh, with Tim on our, on our uh, clear the air show or after show where most of our friends that we want to hang out with the most, they're cigar smokers. And we have a, I, like, at least for me, I have a tighter bond with those friends who smoke cigars as opposed to those who, who don't. Is that the same for you? Do you find that, that, that you gravitate towards others who, you know, enjoy this hobby with you? I, I don't think um, there's another hobby in the world that has this level of depth and interaction. Um, the closest thing is wine, I assume, wine and, and champagne and spirits. But even then, it's it's nowhere close to to what it is in terms of the world of cigars. The ability to sit down for an hour and a half to share and to just laugh and to talk about everything from family to work to cigars. And I, I always find cigars are such a small part of the conversation in the end. I, I think it's about everything else. It, 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 it adds such value to your daily life, uh, to your soul. And I think that that's how I started. That's how I assume you guys started. It didn't start with buying a $35 freaking stick of cigars. Right? Preach. And can we just get back just a little bit to how it all started? And, and make sure the guys who are coming through in their early 20s and their late 20s don't feel left out of this, of this world that we, that we share. We share our time. We share our laughter. We share our knowledge that we listen three times more than we talk. And just everything that we've got out of this hobby over the last 20, 30 years, let's give something back to that next generation coming through. Absolutely. Um, you know, in, in a world filled with, with, with folks who are increasingly putting out $30, $50, $300 cigars, uh, be a Rabbi Allah, be the guy who, who understands, like, I want my taxi driver. I want my teachers. I want my, I want my regular Joe blow customer to come in and be able to afford this hobby. Because I've heard I've heard folks here in the U.S. these these non uh, non Cuban manufacturers say, that, you know, the day of the ten dollar cigar is over, and now it'll be a twenty dollar cigar, and eventually it'll be a thirty dollar cigar. And I just feel you're pricing too many people out of the industry, especially for what this is supposed to represent. 
So let me let me I, let me let me ask you let me ask you this, Rob. Let me let me get out your crystal ball, and and tell me in your opinion, what does the and I know you only deal in two years, so I won't ask five years. I'll say two years. What do you see changing in two years with the Cuban market? Uh, more stock coming on. I think there'd be more stock. We're actually seeing this now in the last two months, James. We're seeing um, uh, a greater breadth of stock coming onto the market in the last two months only. So there are some green shoots. Breadth of stock, but not depth of stock in terms of quantity. And I think that they also need to, they've they've set this new benchmark of scarcity, a little bit of scarcity out in the marketplace. They've set a new benchmark in terms of pricing, but the way they're going to screw up their pricing is to um, is to is to flood the market again. So I think I hope they're smart enough to control that. I don't think they will be, but uh, I think we're, we've got a. I think we uh, well they've shown no signs ever of being the brightest sparks in the room. So I, I suspect that we're going to be in for a tumultuous two years. Mm. coming up mm. uh, from a retailer distributor consumer perspective i mean i've never seen any any business screw up a brand like trinidad in my life um you know wow they should be writing textbooks that should be next to new coke in terms of marketing textbooks uh in, in terms of how you go about destroying a brand um so if you use that as a foundation level of, of of what they're thinking it takes a special type of individual a special type of group to come up with those sort of decisions so do i have faith no so do you think it, it, are cuban cigars going to last will they be here in oh, 10 years absolutely and i'll tell you why i'll tell you why cuban cigars will last is because I go back to what Hamlet says, and, and Hamlet Perez, you know, he's one of the great rollers and blenders. I think he's one of the great blenders of the world today, and one of the up and coming guys in the world today. When you're using Cuban tobacco, it, it, it takes a complete moron to stuff it up. Yeah, because it is really, really good tobacco. It's got that inherent sweetness to it. It has that lilting to it. It's not full bodied. It's it's gorgeous, and yet they still manage to screw up four sticks in a box, or you get the entire blend wrong, or whatever they're doing from time to time. But it's a little bit like those gold shots, guys. You know what? You could be an absolute hacker, but when you hit that perfect gold shot and it just lands this close to the pin and you could be on 112 as, a, as an average golfer but that keeps you coming back because i still don't find i had an epi2 yesterday it was stunningly 96 97 point cigar the 2022 23 epi2s are, are, are absolutely brilliant and then i had another one uh something different this morning which is absolutely just a total of a cigar but i still think of the epi2 i i, I that I, I, it, I can't do that with my lines. I can't get that level of brilliance in, in, in what we're doing yet. I'm hoping to achieve it, but I can't do it in my lines yet. So I think while Cuban cigars still 
at their best, at their absolute best, I still don't think too many things hold a candle to them. But unfortunately, you have to go through a fair few to get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and Nick says it all the time. Nick, you know, when a Cuban cigar is good, it's great. But when yeah. it's not, it could be, it could be oh. a total shit stick. And, and, and that, right. you know, it, it lost for me, it lost its luster when I go through a box of, of whatever, you know, and, you know, 10 out of that box of 20 or eight out of that box of 20 don't smoke right. They just don't taste right. And there's something wrong with them. Go ahead, Nick. I'm sorry. No, I, I agree with everything you're saying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's, there's always, it's always been, you know, the percentage of in, in every given box, you're going to get, you know, they're just, the draw is going to be off and that's the good ones. If they taste right, you know, it's amazing how the inconsistency and the quality control that definitely still, it needs to get better. I mean, that's uh, how, if, when, but uh, you know, like Rob said, when you get a good one, they're great. Yeah. And, and, it keeps and it coming and, back. And I know Rob, you said that, you know, your blends aren't on par with, Cuban, uh, those FO, those nudies, man, they're really good. I, they're real. And I know guys who, as soon as like, you know, you're putting them out, they're, they're getting two, three, four bundles. I, I, you know, I, I love, it doesn't just matter if it's, it's mine or, or someone else's, but we all have that hand thing. Yeah. We, we open up your desktop or you go there and your hand goes over the top and you know what you're reaching for. Yeah. Because consistency, flavor, you know what you're getting. To me, that's an important characteristic of, of what I'm looking for. And I'm reaching more for those these days. And our Hamlet is. And that's the way we know we're succeeding is because we're smoking them. I've, I've got a choice of smoking it. But that's what we're smoking because that's what I want. Now, I know they're 91, 92-point cigars, but they're 91, 92-point cigars every goddamn time. Um, and, and that's what I'm looking for. And if I can deliver that at a sub $10 price range for a Carlotta or whatever is there for my clients, and I know that's what they're looking for because I sent the order sheets. And and, and, and it's not, you can launch anything in this world, people, but the reality is rebuys. It's all about the rebuys. If, if people aren't buying it again, then you haven't got, you get out or, or change because it's about rebuys in this world. And that's what we that's what we focus on. We just focus on stuff that we love. If we know because if we love them, then there's gonna be enough other people who's gonna love them as well. You know, oh, and we're very lucky. I'm very lucky. I mean I had very similar palettes. Um and, and we've got a you know, we've got we've got a tough we've got a tough group out there. Like I said, 25,000 members, FOH, well, they're buying them and they're reviewing them every goddamn day. Yeah? yeah. So, you know, we have a live stream day in, day out. It's the first thing I turn on every day because we don't have a bricks and mortar. We do have one, but it's we're a global store. So, so you know, everything that happens, happens online and happens live. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And so there's nowhere to hide in terms of what we do. If there was one thing, just one thing that you wanted the folks out there listening to this, watching this on YouTube, you wanted them to know what would it be about FOH, about Bond Roberts, about what you do? I think it's more about, it's, it's more about 
whether it's Bond Robertson, it's a different clientele, Bond Robertson, FOH, although we, we do share clientele, but it's, it's a different mindset. If there's one thing that I, I, I just love people to, to do is if you're an introvert, become involved in some communities. If you, because I think we've all seen people drift away from the cigar world a little bit, or they, they, they drift away from forums or they drift away from Facebook groups, etc. It's a tough world out there at the moment. A lot of people are doing it fairly tough, not just because of cigars. I mean, that, that's a minimal thing, but for, for, for real things in life, family, isolation, loneliness, etc. Reach out and say, G'day, I haven't heard from you for a while. Uh, how are you doing? And, and, and set up a Zoom session, have a cigar with them. Just do something like that. Just reach out to one person out there. Because I know in our community, there are people doing it pretty tough uh, all over the world. And I think that we could all be a little bit kinder, um, a little bit less opinionated. And we have, the, we have the perfect tool to just spend that time with with friends or or acquaintances or people who you might sus just suspect aren't doing it as well as you are at this point reach out there have you a go cigar. have a cigar reach out have a cigar rob ayala foh bond roberts <clears throat> i appreciate your time you are a wealth of knowledge uh we'd love to have you back at some point and, and and go over some of the new things that you've got coming out this year. Uh, retouch on the Cuban market, any changes there. We'd love to have you back because you're just you're one of the good ones, and I appreciate your time. A pleasure, gentlemen. Absolute uh, had a ball. Take care. Thank great, you, Rob. Thank you, uh, guys. Join us next week when we have the clear of the air, where myself, Nick, Tim, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about Rob behind his back, and then we're going to put it out for everybody to listen to. Uh, that'll be on the clear of the air hosted, uh, by, uh, our friend, Tim, uh, not the tool man, uh, Alan, and, uh, it'll be, it'll be a good time. I'm looking forward to that, uh, clear the air, Nick. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Uh, and then join us at the first of February when Scott Pierce, the executive director of the premium cigar association, the PCA will be here. We'll talk about all things, uh, coming up at the trade show in a couple months, uh, in, in, at the end of March. Uh, but it was great to have Rob on Rob again. Thank you very much, Nick. I appreciate you, man. We'll talk next week. Yeah, absolutely. For you guys at home. Thanks for watching. Stay smoky friends. <laughs>